RadioInfluence.com. Welcome to another edition of the Real Animals Podcast, always presented by my good friends at Contender Boat. Super, super stoked this week to uh, have an incredible guest. I haven't had the opportunity to do a lot of hunting celebrities, a bunch of hunting TV show hosts, um, but I was lucky enough to meet this gentleman and uh, we become good friends. He's got a great show. He is a monster of a human. I would think just if, if he walks in the woods, animals probably just lay down. They probably just tap out and give up. They're like, yeah, this is crazy. Uh, but he is my good friend, Steve Webb, and you would know him as the the host and the, uh, the lead dog at Apex Hunter TV. He is the Apex Hunter, if you will. Stevie Boy, how are you? Hey, doing great, doing great. Thanks for the big intro. You hey, made dude. me sound bigger than I am. Well, I don't know. It is people even if you just pull up Apex Hunter, uh if you pull up ApexHunterTV.com and look at the he's he's like big as a house. Like the dude's a like I'm serious, dude. Do you ever just walk in the woods and just find animals laid out dead because they're like, I'm just gonna give <laughs> up because you're so big? No, I wish. I wish that'd be easy then. <laughs> right. But I can tell you this right now, it's really not that I'm big, it's all the lighting. Is that all right? lighting and camera work. <laughs> all the yeah. make, makeup and makeup and hair. Makeup, lighting, camera work, yeah. <laughs> I get it. Don't you really can't, can't give away those secrets. Five, seven. I use the same ones on my show. No. You can't, can't give that away. Yeah. Well perfect. <laughs> so, so let's let's dive into um let's dive dive into how Steve Webb gets to this point, how you become the apex hunter. How, how did this journey start for Steve Webb? I mean, what, what led you down this trail? Well, it's kind of a funny story. I guided for many years, um, back in Maine, uh, moved out to Alaska at some point was out there eight, nine, 10 years, Wow. had a bunch of my buddies come out fishing and stuff. We did a hunting. We did a lot of stuff. I had just a great time. And I moved back to the States. I wanted to be closer to my parents. And I met Blaine Anthony, the bear whisperer. And he was like, dude, your personality, you got to be on TV. And I was thinking, oh, wow, cool. Somebody thinks I should be on TV. <laughs> so funny story. So I thought, you know, if someone of that caliber says, hey, you should be on TV. I'm thinking the red carpets are going to roll out, you know, <laughs> Uh, confetti from the ceiling, champagne's <laughs> popping, camera lights cracking. It was crickets. <laughs> it was absolutely crickets. So, and I didn't realize that, oh, you want to be on TV? Write a check. Yeah. Yeah. You want to be on TV? Write a check. So, uh, I tell guys all the time, well, how'd you get on TV? I said, I wrote a check. <laughs> Any, anybody can be on TV. Anybody can be on any channel you want to be on if you got a deep enough bank account. Because right. I can tell you the first three or four years, you can pretend, but you will not get a sponsor. They may give you some product, but they won't write you a check for nothing. Because most shows, when within inside of one to three years are gone, they don't make it. So, right. um, so my first three years were a struggle. I mean, I literally paying everything out of my own pocket. And I thought, you know, I'm going to be a star this year. Let me pay more money. I paid more money and got the same amount of sponsors, zero. So it was, uh, it was tough, but that's, you know, kind of how it all came about. They, you know, said that loved my personality and said, you don't look like anybody in the hunting industry. I can't even believe you hunt being, you know, six, three and 318 pounds and ex bodybuilder with tattoos, bald. They said, you don't, you don't even fit the, 
fit the mold. So it just worked out well for me. I, you know, built a lot of followers and stuff like that. And which is great. So I love my followers, the people that support me. They're awesome. Well, and, and so let's, let's, so the TV show happens, but I mean, where do you get the background from? I mean, what, what was it like growing up, you know, guiding in Maine? I mean, to me, that just seems like as much as I love to be in the woods and sit in a tree stand and, and, and be in the outdoors, you know, I grew up in central Wisconsin, so it was, it's, yeah. it's been part of me, but I can't even imagine Maine, I would think is like a whole nother level of just incredible outdoor world. Yeah. Maine's like heaven. So my parents owned a business, um, back then and uh i guided for him and i remember many years going on the river with our drift boats and square stern canoes and whatnot and we predominantly took fly fishermen very world-renowned fly fishermen guys that you know are part of cabela's and uh make flies for cabela's and write journals and they're famous fly fishermen and we've had like raymond berry of the patriots and many other uh people that were you know, I guess stars or whatever you want to call them, but, uh, it was a great time, but you know, and the money's not phenomenal, you know, guiding's guiding, you get, it's okay, but you don't get to fish ever or get to hunt. If you're guiding, you're not hunting or fishing. Right. Passionate about fishing and hunting. I love to do it myself, but if I'm river, I'm getting calluses on my hands from rowing the boat. I'm getting sunburned and, you know, you're getting up at 4 a.m., 3.30, you know, loading boats. You get home at night at 7, 8 o'clock at night. You're cleaning boats, cleaning coolers, and you do it all over again. It's just a full steady, time, Full-time you know, job, yeah. That, that, that's your job. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I said to myself, well, I'm a pretty good hunter, and I, and I know I'm a good fisherman, but I never get to go. The few times I get to go is, you know, when we don't have a client in on a Sunday or something, I race to the river myself, and I throw my hip waders on and go, or it would be Thanksgiving week during deer season. We would all get to go, you know, the family for one week and hunting in Maine is not like hunting in any place else in the world. So, so once you leave Bangor, if you get off a dirt road there, it's St. Uh, St. Lawrence river in Canada <laughs> and you may never be found again. Gigantic woods. And the deer population, I don't feel as bad, but the amount of deer per, you know, 500,000 acres isn't like Wisconsin or Ohio or Kentucky where you have, you know, you have uh, 50,000 acres and you have 200,000 deer, for God's sakes. It's like, no wonder guys shoot a deer every year in Kentucky and they act like they're great hunters. You're not. You lay corn out, you feed them, you got cell cameras telling them you come in every single day at 510, you go sit on it make sure the wind's right and you go shoot it and you want everyone to, you know, give you accolades of being a great hunter, go to Maine and shoot a spike horn. I don't care. Go to Maine and shoot anything. One, you can't bait Two, There's no food plots. Three, there's no place to set up. You just gotta, you could set up cell cameras all over a ridge. You'll be lucky to see the same deer twice, let alone once. Really? And hmm. it's just extremely tough to hunt. So how we hunted back then was still hunt. My grandfather was a phenomenal hunter. We'd take two or three steps and stop and look for a minute, then take two or three steps, stop and look, 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 look. Does anybody that's hunted knows a deer will stand there and watch you. And if you walk by him, he'll let you walk by him. Sure. So we look for an ear moving. We look for a tail, fl you know, flutter. 
any of that stuff. So passing, I can remember when I was a little kid, eight years old, wanting to go hunting. And of course you couldn't until you were 10 and dad bought me one of these guns with plastic bullets that, you know, from eight feet away, you could catch it, <laughs> you know, it was just a big arc. But I was like, dad, do you think I can kill something with this? And he's like, Oh yeah, you definitely can. <laughs> you know? Not sure what, but yeah. So, and then I remember, you know, dad finally, when I was 10, taking me out and first thing I ever shot in my life was a, uh, a, uh, grouse. And you would have thought I shot a 200, 200 class buck. <laughs> right. I mean, I, that was the greatest thing in the greatest moment in my life. I did it with my dad and, you know, it was just, uh, you know, from that point on, I was in the woods every day and um, very, very passionate about animals. Um, I don't like anybody to do anything um, harmful to any animal, dogs especially. But I've seen people on the internet do some stuff. Yeah, there's you no know, that have been no room and they're not dead yet. And no room for any of that nonsense for that sure. In the industry, yeah, yeah no. no. No doubt. Uh, and I'm glad to see the wardens now are, you know, doing something about it. They're taking people's hunting privileges away and they're taking their guns and trucks and they're, they're actually putting them in jail, which is where they should be. You know, this is, there's no call for that. So what's your, what's your favorite, what's your favorite? I mean, I do. Go ahead. My favorite what? What's your favorite animal to hunt as of right now? The most majestic animal on this planet, the white-tailed deer. Yeah, you're a big white-tailed guy. I like white-tailed deer. Like and here's it. why. So elk, caribou, mule deer are dumb. <laughs> but elk and caribou, they're in herds. You find the herd, you can, you, you're can you going to shoot a big elk. White-tailed deer don't play that game. A big white-tail, you know, one, it doesn't matter if he's 125 and he's a five, six-year-old deer. He's smart, and he's smart for a reason. He just He's just not going to – if you make a mistake once, you'll never see him again. Yeah. The elk, all you do is got to find the herd again and get around the herd, and you're gonna you can get multiple shots at them. White-tailed deer don't work that way. They're the most majestic animal on the planet. I love hunting whitetail. Yeah, I do too. It's uh, deer hunting is a bug I've had since I was a little kid, and it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. So, with with whitetails being your favorite, what in your opinion is the greatest place to hunt them? That's a really good question because um, it's kind of a, a I've been all over North America hunting whitetail, um, Maine, Missouri, Canada. I've been everywhere. I can't say that there's one particular place that you're not going to have a great time. I love Missouri. I love Illinois. I love Kentucky, Indiana, Oklahoma. They're all great, great states. And when you're sitting in that stand and that, and it's starting to get, you know, that sunset, you just, the whole land looks like a giant 200 class deer could spring out anywhere. I mean, that's what's the allure of being up there in the Northwest, you know, you, you, or the, the Midwest, you just, any given time, a guy could see a 170, 80, 90 class deer walk out. Um, that's why we do it, I think. But the greatest trip you'll have for actually making sure you're going to get a shot opportunity is Texas. Okay. Texas gives you three day hunts and I promise you in three days, you will have a shot opportunity to really nice deer. Um, you know, most people have never shot a deer up to a 140, but for Texas it's kind of funny. So the people that own the property, they also own everything on their land. 
which is odd, right? Because yeah. in the other state, fishing game controls the deer, the bear, the coyote, whatever else is out there. In Texas, if you have 50,000 acres and you have a three-foot fence around your whole property, you own the deer that's in that property. Oh, Even wow. though they can jump in or out of it, but you still own it. Huh. So you can dictate the price. If you and I went to Texas, they can dictate, uh, you know, up to a 135 class deer for $2,200, up to, uh, you know, a one. 25 to one or 135 to 145, you know, three grand. They, they can dictate any price they want. There's no set price. Uh, so what I do is I call around and look for outfitters that, you know, want some business. And I usually book three, four, five, ten 10 guys to go. We all go for the weekend. I get them a great deal. So maybe it might be 1800 for anything up to a 140. And that's a heck of a deer. People who have never shot in Florida, especially shot one thirties and one forties. That's a wall mounter. They will, and I will mount them too. I mean, that's a great deer. Um, the delusion of the hunting shows in today's world, a lot of the top echelon shows, every deer is a 170, 190, 200. And they want you to believe there's some super hunter. They're not, they have a guy call them up. Hey, got old Hickory. If you got time to name your deer, you got way too much time on your hands. Right. You know, I got properties I lease. I don't name my deer. I think it's I think it's ridiculous for guys in the hunting industry to name them first off. But old pitchfork and the stupid names they give them. And then a guy rolls in on a Friday night. He goes and hunts Saturday morning, kills the deer. He's on a plane by noontime. You know, Saturday he don't even dress the deer off. Takes a couple pictures with it. Bang, gone. And to me, that's not what hunting is about, and that's not what these hunting shows should be. They should show you the whole experience from start to finish. I have trips I go on that I do not kill. I've, I've been to Illinois for eight straight days and didn't even see a buck. I used to say... Why can't that be a TV show? Why does it always get a... Yeah, I used to, I used to, I used to tell my dad, when, when, when my dad was still alive, him and I hunted together in Wisconsin every year, and, and I, I, right. used to, I used to just sit at the little podunk one room tavern in the middle of nowhere with my dad at night. And I remember just looking at him and thinking, if you don't get that part of it, if you don't get deer camp to me, yeah. and, and I know it may be not the same for everybody, but for me, it's about deer camp. It's about, you know, it's about the fire. It's about, um, you know, being the with stories. the fellas, the stories, uh, making memories. Yep. It's about a decompress. My, my, my lovely bride who, who was never a, a huge fan, uh, when we first met anyway of, of me harvesting deer. And I, right. I, I remember it wasn't a couple years in and, you know, here I am, I'm gone for a week and, you know, we had Georgia was young and so she's taking care of the, taking care of the baby. And, you know, I came home from this, you know, seven days out in the middle of nowhere in the woods and I just said, you know, hey, I really appreciate, you know, you letting me go do that. And she said, you know what? It was probably the second or third time you came home from hunting. And I thought to myself, I don't know exactly what the woods uh, are all about, but whatever it does to him, I like it. Because she said, you come back just a whole different person. Like you come back, you come back decompressed, relaxed. relaxed, like recharged, yeah. re-energized. Um, 
I like the fact that hunting season is, is at the end of the year. You know, I, I usually don't start yeah. my trips to the woods until November. I finish up in early January. And by the time I'm done with those, you know, trips to the woods, I'm ready to rock and roll. Like I'm ready to fish again. I'm ready to, ready to jump back into Real Animals TV. I'm ready to do all my stuff that, that you know, makes our world go. Um, right. And by the end of the year, I just, I'm ready to go sit in a tree. Like, I just, what do you want to do? I want to go sit in a tree. I want it to be cold. I want to go sit in a tree. I want to take a nap. Hopefully I'll see exactly. some deer. If I don't see any deer, that's okay. I'm going to drink a couple. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to drink a couple beers. I'm going to burn some meat. Yeah. We're going to build a fire. We're going to laugh. We're going to joke. And I'm just going to be in the woods. Um, so I think that's part of it. I think it's part of the, and I don't know how, I think probably the best hunting shows for me, would be able to capture that. Try to capture the the essence of the whole experience versus just the, and you bet, there's nothing. Listen, I I still have issues when a big buck walks out. I still shake like I'm a, you know, two-year-old. It's crazy. Oh, I do too. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I, I shake when a doe comes out. Who are you kidding? <laughs> right, me too. You know, me too. Dear. If you lose that, then there's no sense hunting anymore. Well, I believe that, and I believe that. So to me, you that know, you know, it, that's part of it, but it's not the biggest part. The biggest part is all the other, no. all the other stuff that goes with hunting. You know. You know the thing is that, and uh, in, in the industry tries to wreck a lot of guys. Um, they try to make it such a business where you don't have fun anymore. And if you don't have fun, why are you going to do it? Sure. You know, if you've taken the fun out of what you're passionate about, you're not going to go, you're not going to do it anymore. And they, and they tried to, you know, ruin it for me the first couple of years, but I'm not having it. Um, you know, I, I love it too much. And if I get a deer, great. If I don't, great. I always make new friends when I go, I always have a great time. And like you said, if you get one, great. If you don't, it's it's the way it goes, you know. And, you know, the hunting industry has changed so much over the past 30 years, Mike, that back in the day, outfitters were loyal. They were honest. Now they're an ATM machine. Right. And I don't mind putting it out there. If they don't like it, too bad. Right. Um, they're an ATM machine. Too many guys go out there and spend, you know, blue-collar guy that saves all year for that $3,500 hunt to Illinois he goes there and he sees three deer in their doe. Right. But that's yeah. uh, some of that's hunt some of that's hunting though, isn't it? I mean, it's just like fishing trips. Not chips today. From, no? Not today. Okay. We have cell cameras. That guy knows exactly what's coming in on his property. And if he has nothing coming in on his property, don't bring in guys just to sit there and waste their time. Yeah, I got you. I've I've got cell cameras on all my property, Mike, and I've got uh twelve uh ten stands in Kentucky. And we've got probably 12 in Missouri. I know what's coming in every single morning, every single night. And I know where I'm going to sit when I go there to hunt. And I know if you go with me, I know where I'm going to put you. Right. And it's to, it's to absolutely make sure I do this politically correct harvest a deer. I don't want to upset anybody, you know. Uh, you want to upset <laughs> Yeah. But, um, you know, I want to make sure that if I'm taking somebody with me, that I'm giving them the best opportunity to to get one the first night or second night, or at least see them sure. multiple times, you know, and have an opportunity. Um, the fact is you should have an opportunity. Doesn't necessarily mean you're going to shoot. Now, if I let a, have a 138 come out, a 140 come in and you decide to pass on him, that could be your only opportunity, but you had an opportunity. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you're paying for right. the opportunity. But, right. Right. I've been to places where I've been 10 straight days hunting morning and night and not see a single buck all, all week. 
to me, that's BS. I guided. I know the deal. When you run these cell cameras, you know exactly what's coming in. And if you have a guy that you're trying to get on an animal, you don't go put him in a stand. You ain't seen a deer in four weeks on. <laughs> right. He's paying you good know, you money, know he's yeah. not going to get one. I mean, there's no chance. Yeah. Right. So, uh, I mean, yes, hunting is hunting. But the technology we have today in a lot of states like Kentucky, Ohio, Oklahoma, Texas, they bait. Georgia. They put yeah. corn out. They put attractants. They put minerals. Don't tell me you don't know what's coming in. Right. I got you. That makes if sense. If you do, you're not a very good outfitter. And that's I tell guys all the time, make sure you do your research on your outfitter because there's a lot of guys out there that are just ATM machines. And you need to educate yourself about this because these guys should be criminals, for God's sakes. They just take everyone's money. They'll have 150 guys come in in the year and they shoot three deer. Right. That's a, a pretty poor percentage. Yeah, and, and you're, uh, not gonna, you're not going to be you an know, outfitter. Not going to be an outfitter for long at that rate no. either. No, for sure. So let's let's switch well, gears. Do, oh, go ahead. Yes. No, no. Go ahead. All right. Well, so I want to switch gears. I was on to, a rant. I know you were. I got you. I want to <laughs> switch. I want to switch gears to. Um, I'm a big rifle hunter. Um, I just don't. I don't have the yes. patience for bow hunting. Having to let those deer get so close. Now I know you're a big bow hunter. So you, you I would, love all of it, buddy. I know you do, but you would rather bow yeah. hunt than rifle hunt, or does it not matter to you? It doesn't really matter. I mean, it doesn't take it, – look, it, everyone – the problem with the society today is we can't be bow hunters and support the rifle hunters, or we can't be bow hunters and support the uh, crossbow hunters, or crossbow hunters can't support the traditional – we all got to be our little group and talk bad about <laughs> what's it matter if a guy shoots a 170 with a gun, crossbow, longbow, compound bow. It's still, he still put his time in. He still is out there in the woods and Hey, maybe you had to make a 270 yard shot on that deer. That's a, that's a phenomenal shot. I think the most impressive, the wild, yeah. I think the most impressive thing would be, I want to talk to the guy who like one walked underneath the tree and he jumped mm-hmm. out of the tree, got on his back, and cut his throat with a knife. That, to me, would be impressive. That's you what, won't find that guy. I know, but he's got to be there somewhere, he'll doesn't be he? He'll be dead next to the tree. <laughs> right. He probably would Listen, have you ever grabbed a hold of a, no. a fawn, let alone a mature no. buck? No, no, Wouldn't want you to. And I couldn't ha- you and I can't even handle a doe together, and we're yeah. big men. Yeah, it's all kinds of muscle. That no. thing would tear us up. A great yeah. big buck? Yeah. We'd be going to the emergency room with punctured lungs and holes in us. He would wreck us. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I've seen a lot of the videos. Yeah, people, now, there's a lot of different hunting styles out there today. you got, like I said, the traditional side of things, which I, hey, I love those guys. Compounds, crossbows. Crossbows are legal. If I, I got a crossbow, if I want to use one, I'm going to use one. What are you going to do? Tell me I'm not an honor? I use a crossbow? Give me a break. Right. People need to stop worrying about what people think or say or do. If you like the rifle hunt, rifle hunt. There's nothing yeah. wrong with it. No, I agree. Yeah. I just you was know? I was just curious to see what, you know, where you were on the whole on the whole sport of it. Some guys have to me it yeah. seems I know guys who do both. Um I dare yeah. hunt there's a bunch of guys in my in my hunt club, in my group, I shouldn't say a bunch of guys. There's only seven of us in the whole group, but several of those guys go up and bow hunt uh, a little bit right. when bow season opens. You know, and to me, it's just too warm. I don't want to do that. There's still rattlesnakes running everywhere and all that nonsense. I'm yeah, out. Yeah, no, I'm I, not into that. Yeah, me neither. So, <laughs> I just, you know, I just rifle hunt. 
And again, for me, it's about patience. I just don't have the patience right. for the whole bow hunting thing, which is, again, neither here nor there. I just, I know that you do a lot of both. And uh, yes. so, so let me ask you a question. Let me, let's, let's drop in quick on your most memorable hunt ever. Do you have one hunt, Steve, that just sticks out to you as, as just was a really cool hunt where maybe things came together or maybe things didn't come together? Absolutely. Um, if you're talking the TV world, I'll have to think about that one for a second. But if you're talking in general, from the time I just started in general, yep. today, just in general, the greatest hunt in my life was dad took me. And I remember this, uh, I remember for life. I mean, I've shot some great deer. I've got one fifty, sixty, seventies here on the wall, but that they're all great deer, but it, I don't have the memory because I did it alone or with a cameraman. My greatest hunt ever, I was uh, hunting with my father. It was Thanksgiving week. I had never shot a deer yet in my life. I was, you know, a young man, young kid. And we were up there to our cabin. And um, Jack Williams was a firefighter with my father. My father retired as a firefighter. And we used to go up there Thanksgiving week as long as my grades were good. So we were up by, there was three big meadows that and the grass was probably five feet high in these meadows. And we were hunting up by the third meadow coming back down towards the river. And Jack Williams jumped some deer and he shot at one and missed. So I'm in the middle of this absolute hellhole bog. <laughs> Can't see 50 feet any direction. I got cedars running over my head. I got, I'm wet. I'm standing in water. And I said, why am I always in these spots when people shoot, you know? And I can't believe it. A five pointer. 20 yards away, went under this log and stood broadside to me, and I shot him. Nice. And the fact that I was able to do that with dad's, all of dad's firefighter buddies and, you know, me as the young kid that used to have to do all the lugging and everything else, but the fact that I did it with them, it was just so, I'll never forget it. I mean, dad bragged about it like I had shot the world record deer, <laughs> took pitches, I look back on it today and I go, wow, that was a pathetic looking little rack, wasn't it? <laughs> but, but you couldn't tell me back then no. I was as proud as a peacock, you know, I, and I still am. I, I still have a wall of shame back home in Maine that, uh, dad, uh, mounted all my little horns that three pointers, five pointers, you know, when I was a young teenager. And that's great though. That's what it's all about. I that's... still, I remember every one of those songs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, yeah. like I said, I was a young kid and my dad and all his friends were in there. 40s, I guess, or late 30s, and uh, you know, I was the kid, and I'd listen to all their stories, and they had so many cool stories, and I was thinking, my God, when I get to be that age, I hope I have cool friends like that, and we all go to camp together, and of course, I didn't get cool friends, and we never went to camp together, so <laughs> I now I go by myself and have a, you know, a photographer and film guy, and it is what it is, but no, those, that's uh, probably my greatest memory ever. I had that's such a, a great time. That's a great know, one. Sharing it with dad. We, uh, we preach it on the fishing side and the hunting side as well, but to, uh, you know, to get your kids outdoors because those are some of my greatest memories growing up, going hunting with oh, dad and his buddies. And, and that's why I'm in the woods today because, uh, he taught me to appreciate the great outdoors. It's part of the reason I became a fisherman. He was a fisherman. Uh, my grandparents fished, my uncle fished. I mean, I had, 
my whole family fished. I mean, we grew up on a lake in Wisconsin, right. so you know, get those kids outdoors and do some cool stuff. So, so how? What season are you in for the Apex Hunter TV? What season are we? Season four. Season We're in four, yes. In season yep. four, nice. Okay, and and where can everybody find the Apex Hunter TV? Where's the best place to find it if they're looking for it? WMOR locally here in Florida on central in Central Florida. WMOR at ten a.m. Saturday mornings. Okay. And on the fourth quarter, I start. I'm doing the fourth and first quarter this year, so I kind of, kind of got the best of both worlds because those are the two highest viewing quarters. Sure. So I will be on 4:30 Sundays on Pursuit Channel, and then my other three times, I'm not sure. But you know, if you go on there, you'll see all the uh, the guides. You know, tell you everything. But I know 4:30 Sunday afternoons we're on for sure. Okay. And uh, I'm on the Hunt Channel six times a week. I'm on Wild TV three times a week. Uh, so if you Google Apex Hunter, you can certainly find me. Apex. I mean, I, I'm the first thing that comes up in the Apex Hunter. ApexHunterTV.com is the website. What's uh, what's on the horizon, big fella? Where are you going next? I've got a little trip to Texas doing a little access hunt. Then I'm going to spin up to Kentucky to get things ready for your big butt to get up there and hunt with me. Um then I got to shoot over to Missouri, and then on the way back from Missouri, I got Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio. And what I don't shoot that first trip around, we're going back. But I got Oklahoma in November as well. And generally, I do Texas three trips. So my first trip will be Texas, uh, and it's I'm supposed to leave out this weekend, and then shoot right up to Kentucky after. Okay. All right. And I wanna I wanna hunt there for a week, but I also want to put some new stands in the cameras out in a new area that new land that I have I just picked up another 265 acres that hasn't been hunted in 20 years so there should be some really good deer on it nice nice well thanks so much for spending a little time with us again he is the apex hunter apex hunter tv you can find steve webb at apexhuntertv.com trust me when i tell you this is a big fella killing some big animals <laughs> doing doing it the right way i've got to spend some time with uh with steve and his lovely bride and uh super good people and uh i, I certainly uh i certainly look forward to seeing the adventures that you go on this year uh and uh, all the big animals you get to uh run into uh, on Apex Hunter TV. So thanks for spending some time with us, bro. I appreciate you. Oh, man, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to have me on. It's an honor. And, uh, you know, I really hope that you can uh, get out there and go with me this year. And I'd definitely like to get a cameraman on you and film your hunt as well. Send me send me those dates. And we'll see what we can do for sure. I've got a busy schedule this fall getting shooting for my own stuff with Real Animals TV. But right. good Lord knows if you're talking hunting, I'm going to try to make it happen. You know that. We'll make it work. <laughs> How about that? We'll make it work. I like it. I like it. All right, my friend. Thanks again for your time, brother. Again, it's apexhuntertv.com. Check out the website. Check out the big fella. Super, super cool guy. Good friend of the Real Animals. Thanks again, Steve. We appreciate you, brother. Hey, thank you so much. All right, partner. I hope you guys enjoyed the Apex Hunter as much as I enjoyed interviewing him. Steve Webb is a huge cat. I'm telling you, if I walked in the woods and with that big old dude, I'm telling you, them whitetails got to be running scared from that big boy. Uh, really a unique individual. Check him out uh, on TV, uh, apexhuntertv.com for all your 
times and all that stuff. Interesting cat. Shoots some really, really big animals in some cool, cool places if you're into the hunting scene like I am. Super neat guy. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Remember, the Real Animals podcast is always presented by our good friends at Contender Boats. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, ritampabay.com, and Spotify. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll be dropping episodes every other Tuesday, so make sure you tune in for more great Real Animals podcasts coming your way. Thanks for listening. I'm Jerry P. Tuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. 